Space Burgers and a big warg to all of you, and welcome to the Space Cave. A couple orders of business before we get started. Congratulations to Donna Strickland uh, for winning a Nobel Prize. First time a woman has won it in 55 years. Doing good physics. Way to go. Feels cool, and uh, hopefully one day I can get her on the show. I feel like that'll really legitimize this little endeavor, which is already, as you know, the number one podcast in the world, but potentially even taking it up into a higher level. And maybe one of the previous guests will go on to win a Nobel Prize and boom, get that instant clout. Thanks to those of you who have rated the show recently. And if you rate the show, if you give it some stars and you take a picture, send it to me. I'll send you a sticker or something to reward you for contributing to these metrics that somehow or another represent success in this bizarre dynamic that we're all involved in. And thanks to Danny McLaughlin, the latest $5 Patreon member. This show is put together and made possible by contributions from listeners just like you. It really does help. So thanks to all of you who help out with the Patreon. It really makes a difference and keeps this show ad-free, except for my sweet plugs for the junk show. Those you're going to have to deal with. I try to keep them short. And I also think... um, It's something you should maybe check out if you're in L.A. on the second Sunday of any month. The next one is this Sunday, depending on when you're listening, October 14th at the Copper Still, which is on Beverly Boulevard, 8 p.m. Come on by and see magic and music and comedy and animation, some short films, all kinds of stuff. And if you uh, are craving even more entertainment and a night out and a date idea, go see my friend Al Madrigal in Night School. Uh, it's a silly, goofy, fun comedy. I don't know why it's not getting talked about more, and I should have probably gotten Al on the show to uh, to do that. I'm going to try. I realize I go to the movies, I'm like, ah, these are, these are friends of mine, and I never reach out to get them to do a little promotion ahead of time. Get all these space cave ears out there aware of the, the happenings. So I'll do it myself this time. Go see Night School. See what you think. Take your mind off of things. Lord knows we could all use that. All right. This is part two of a chat that I thoroughly enjoyed. Very interesting person. And who knows? Maybe she, I don't think she's on the Nobel track, but you never know. She's very nice. Maybe she could win a Peace Prize. And if you feel like you're pursuing it and like, you know what? I don't want to jinx it, but it looks like it might be my future. Get in touch with me. I just want to say that someone involved with the Nobel Prize has been on this show. So, if it's not Natalie, maybe it's you. But she is a wonderful person uh, and just great to chat with. So we had more of this Baba Black Lager from Uinta Brewing out of Utah. And here's part two with Natalie Bindovich. So we didn't get into, and well, I guess I should readdress this Uinta Baba Black Lager. Still enjoying it? This is such a great beer. I'm really, I was actually just going to pour a little bit more. Oh, sure. I'm highly enjoying it, yeah. Good. Oh, yeah, you took that <laughs> oh, Uber. It, it did not, yeah. <laughs> I did take an Uber. Oh, no, I look at all this foam in it. 
Yeah, it really is a foamy beer. Yeah, which I like. If you I try like it at home, let us know if it foams up on you as well. I will. I definitely would like to pick some of this up because it's very good. Cool. Yeah. yeah, I'm happy to tell you where I got it and Great. spread the word and get, yeah. get uh, people out there. And I like <laughs> that they have this weird little like, kind of compass on the top. I know. As a GIS person, I appreciate the fact that they included a north arrow to show you that this is the top part of the beer can. It, <laughs> <laughs> that's some nice uh, mar- map marginalia they included. Yeah. <laughs> Map marginalia? That's Mm -hmm. what they call that? They call, yeah, if you include like a legend, a compass, north arrow, a scale bar, that's Mm -hmm. all map marginalia on your map. (laughs) Did you, when you were a kid, did you draw maps and things for your friends? Is that a, is that, my no. friends and I did that a lot for each other. A lot of them were treasure <laughs> yeah. maps. Sure. Have, but, you know, you'd have bit. to have the compass you on there. You have to have the compass Sometimes on Sometimes even it. a bit of scale, like mm-hmm. this far equals this amount. And then, Oh, you guys got like fancy you know, with it as kids. I think we were, there were was probably accurate? just yeah. one of us that was really into maps. <laughs> okay. And then we got into drawing mazes for each other at one mm-hmm. point. Oh, I then, like doing that. I love drawing mazes. and Yeah, yeah those fun. are fun. And the, especially when graphing paper became, you know, part yes, of the system. Yes, I used to like drawing Ooh. stuff on graphing paper, and you're supposed to be doing your homework or schoolwork. You take it and you draw like, oh, here's a, you know, plan for this. Here's a little maze. Here's a, yeah, that was really fun. Oh, I loved it. <laughs> so, so yeah, I'm just curious how you got into kind of, mm-hmm. you know, geology being a secondary thing, but like mm-hmm. particularly anthropology, mm-hmm. where you, I associated yeah. almost more with like sociology these days. Sure, I actually don't know that much about sociology. Except that but, it's a but little cultural different. things, like cultural things, of... absolutely. Um, I guess I have been wanting to s- someone to a- um, ask me that question because I have three reasons why I got into anthropology. Cool. Because I moved here, I worked in the film industry and freelancing in a variety of jobs for about six, seven years, mm-hmm. and I wasn't feeling very. You know, I needed the carrot, back to that analogy. <laughs> and uh, the three things that really pushed me to a master's degree, and specifically anthropology, because my undergraduate is in English literature, so mm-hmm. a little bit of a change, where the first one was I was, uh, my English lit classes I realized from Mercyhurst University in Pennsylvania, the classes I enjoyed most weren't necessarily the Shakespeare, this or that, or writing a poem. I really liked um, the cultural classes mm-hmm. like uh, here's francophone cultures here's um you know world literature those were the ones that really got me going that i wanted to write about and my thesis there was about terrorism and kind of a very topical cultural subject yeah not necessarily let's dissect this poem type thing which is also <laughs> awesome it just wasn't yeah. my passion and interest and i you know should have known then but i i didn't and then i worked in alaska as a tour guide and kind of compiling town history for, How did this come about? Uh, that's another story. <laughs> but yeah, my, my second reason was was that and um, kind of writing down all their facts in their town. And that's basically Don't you have ethnology. to be like, I'm a local yeah. and I guess I can tell you a thing or two because I picked it up. You just no. moved to a town and then well, learned I, I all Well, I got their... that job from here and I flew up and I knew nothing about it. And I cool. really dug into it like hardcore that summer. And because I was really into it and knowledgeable and I got into even picking apart like oh here's this wildflower it does this here's this rock here's this obscure history fact a lot of the people on my tours asked me if I was writing a dissertation and if this was part (laughs) of the research or part of my field work or part of um, why I was doing it and I said no but that's not a bad idea (laughs) I started thinking to myself and uh, the third reason I was on I was said I was working on film industry so when I got back I was working on a show called Stitchers which was a sci-fi show that ran on um, uh, Freeform that network for three seasons and that was kind of a sci-fi in a lab 
the plot of the story where they were all grad students and then mm-hmm. it was some sci-fi and I liked working on it but I realized like I would rather be doing this in real life than you know <laughs> pretending pretending and so all those reasons combined I thought about it I researched some schools out here and I sort of wove all that narrative together and applied and I'm writing my thesis now is about, you know, it kind of came full circle. I am writing about my experiences in Alaska and that town history and um, kind of framing that with an anthropological lens. That so that's is cool. Yeah. Thank you for asking me that. <laughs> sure. I love what, and I love especially when someone's education kind of calls to them. Mm-hmm. You know, they just, you, you yeah. have to, like when you're alive, you have to be aware of these little signals, these little things, you mm-hmm. know, and sometimes people get hit over the head with them. Other times people right. just walk right past them, go, yeah, never, never found a thing I liked. And, mm-hmm. and you might go, it was there. You yes, didn't realize. I feel, <laughs> I feel like after a lot of us, uh, you know, reflection, those were kind of the main things that stick out that pointed me toward that direction. That's so, so I'm cool. still not 100% to, you know, right before the break. I'm not sure where I want to, I can't picture one ultimate, you know, definitely this job. Like, oh, I want to be a doctor or whatever with that or, mm-hmm. you know, an engineer. I just know that I'd like to take all those skills that I'm gaining from this degree and those experiences and, you know, other experiences I'll have in work and make that into a career. Yeah. But I really like what I'm doing with all that stuff in this field. So A common <laughs> thing that happens is people, and this applies, I think, both to men and women, but mm-hmm. going to like a liberal arts place first and mm-hmm. then kind of realizing like, yes, yes. I <laughs> loved math and science and I, all this a little bit more. Yes. I was just talking to a friend on the phone today who mentioned that he went to undergrad for um, history mm-hmm. and then realized later on when he took a geology class, oh, I love geology. <laughs> just kidding. I'm going to stop my history degree shy of like you know a couple credits and completely change over to geology and i hear that that's a common yeah story i've heard and i I don't know a good solution to that maybe because even when i was you know 18 and an undergrad i didn't even really know what i didn't know sociocultural anthropology was or this or that or all this stuff in the west Mm -hmm. i think it just came with exploring some of your own interests later on in life yeah and having the i don't know courage or gumption to go back to school and be like all right well i'm gonna live like a student again and get into that lifestyle which is hard to do because you're you're working and you're see all your your peers you know advancing in this and i was kind of all right let's get a roommate get a student loan get you know (laughs) get a part-time job like i had to revamp my whole life for that but i think it'll be worth it in the long run if you're passionate about it I constantly, and maybe it's just because I've I've lived in that the more sort of like the atypical track for so mm-hmm. long. So maybe you justify yeah. things as you're in that. As yes, you that's older. kind of what you have but, to do, or else you you can't compare to anyone else, or else it. Yeah, and not necessarily comparing, but mm-hmm. like just just looking at you know friends I've lost or things like that. Mm-hmm. Their bank account or the amount of things <laughs> they've checked off in life right. never factor in. It's kind of who they were, and particularly for me, what they made. If someone left something, mm-hmm. but you know, comedians, things like that, I, that's I just really feel like point. I never think about like, oh, but he never bought that house. Yes, or, and it, that's tripped me up for a while, especially from East Coast. It's a little bit more. I feel like uh, I, don't, uh, I don't know what the word is liberal out here. With I see people of all ages starting up, doing all kind of new things mm-hmm. back there. It's more traditional in the sense that okay. You go to college, 18 to 22, you're in a relationship, maybe you get a mortgage, you get yeah. a job, you stay at that job. Mm-hmm. And I did none of those. And it still took everyone there a really long time to understand that this is okay. This <laughs> yeah. is my path. That's yeah. completely normal here. <laughs> but that's definitely something I've you know tripped out about a few times when yeah. you, you go back and visit or you, 
you can pair, but you can't. No, not at all. Compare with that. All you can hope for is you don't have those movie parents that are never satisfied. You know, like there's so often the person goes and they start their own business Mm -hmm. or whatever. It doesn't even have to be artistic, but it's not a family business Mm -hmm. and or it's out of the norm. And they, hey, I did this. I made this much money. And their parents are always disappointed, but you didn't finish college or you didn't become this. (laughs) Right, right. And that seems crazy. But I do, I mean, I do kind of associate that more maybe with like an Eastern. It really is kind of a, where are you from? I'm from Nevada. Okay, great. And yeah. then my grandmother on my dad's side was from Chicago, mm-hmm. and her dad was like a businessman. And I think she, to me, represents that style of like... Very much that. Mm-hmm. Every single person... I'm from yeah, Southwest Pennsylvania, I think. Yeah, we all just... Everyone went to a college. You picked your major at 18, and yeah. all of my friends now are married with the mortgage or kids. And that's wonderful. If that's definitely what you want to do, but it was never really appealing to me, so I didn't feel yeah. pressure to do that. But cool. there was... I think it's definitely great with my family now and the things I'm doing and they see that and respect that. But I think at first it, it took a while. <laughs> they just, you know, yeah. if it's completely foreign to what everyone's doing there. Sometimes that motivates the person in the movie. It always goes mm-hmm. back to those because some of them begin to become tropes, you know, like, oh, I, I you know, go to Broadway as a little kid right, and yeah. see <laughs> dancers and say, I want to dance. Yes. And, the, and every movie they get, you'll never dance. Right, every movie. Yeah. <laughs> and that kid's the best dancer that ever lived because mm-hmm. of that. And it's, I think everyone gets to feel that to a certain degree if you step outside the normal sort of planned for track sure, for yeah. you. But you're enjoying it and you're mm-hmm. doing well at it. You're, I would assume people in your hometown mm-hmm. and your family are, are excited about what you're doing. I hope so. We'll say, <laughs> uh, family, yeah, but uh, friends for sure. They want to okay. know and they're excited to hear about yeah. it. <laughs> that just always crushes me when it's not like just unbridled. Like, yeah, they, they're so excited. Mm-hmm. It's hard enough to just have a child that's healthy. Exactly. And that's, yeah. You know, intelligent and kind and all these things. I don't really know you very well, but you don't strike me as an evil, my <laughs> like, uh, poor tempered sort of sort. So that I don't know. I, the, the, I hope your your uh, family is psyched that you're doing this and pursuing these things mm-hmm. that are exciting mm-hmm. to you and passionate to you. They definitely are. In the in the recent times, they they Good. have been like that. Yes. Cool. <laughs> and the um. So I always think of like Earth. The planet mm-hmm. itself. And this sounds like such a hippie thought. And it is. Okay, but great. barring any bubble people, jello people, mm-hmm. cartilage people that we just can't really track a fossil record of, mm-hmm. um, for the most part, we, the Earth acts as a database of its own. We can see Pompeii. We can see the fossil record. We can see... Well, that's an interesting way to phrase it. Yeah, it is. So it's it is a catalog of data. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we just right. go... D- we dig into it and see a little bit of the mm-hmm. stuff, but it has the whole code. It has all of it, if it were so inclined all the strata stuff we could never get to it's mm-hmm. got it all in there but also the the living parts are the parts that are just dusted over ghost towns places that you were at in like say alaska mm-hmm. the, the mining uh history when yes you learn i love mining history by the way but yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> i love it because it sort of pops up and it's mm-hmm. all just there and then it's if they leave it kind of just in cap it's frozen in time there it's super interesting yeah to see it's frozen in time even the little details like oh that's the can of you know beans they were eating or that's <laughs> this this is yeah. so and so this is the tool they used or that's mm. oh they must have used that bucket to haul you know countless tail pilings back and forth they're just all that stuff is super interesting to me and um yeah what i saw a lot of in alaska so i compiled a lot of notes and that's what i'm which sounds like to go back to our first topic a great interesting and important thesis to write but when it's a thesis yeah you know i still procrastinate like <laughs> like anyone would with their master's thesis but <laughs> I, also, I think it's rad though that during the course of this you've come up with like mm-hmm. two optional theses theses yes 
And which maybe that'll help like as you go forward, like getting the one done and realizing the rest can be books and or just ideas or things you're so. interested in. Right, right. <laughs> right. Cause I did have a lot of thesis topic ideas and I even worked with some, some people that really helped me narrow it down. And essentially that's what I didn't call it field work or research at the time. It was just a job I got paid for, but I had even before I was under the uh, academic advisement and had gone to anthropology and grad school for that. I was basically taking, you know, like a field journal and notes and, and doing it in a, in a very good way that would have lined up with what I would have been doing anyway should yeah. I had advisement you know for that but so since I already had that that's perfect they're like you have a project <laughs> just do that all the other things like you said can come later you can write that article or explore that more but that should be my thesis since it's something I did in project sweet yep. you know people um uh, think of archaeology and like mm-hmm. Indiana Jones right. and <laughs> digs and excavations and whatnot. But I don't think they, at least me personally, anthropology is just on its own. It seems so broad. It's like, very broad. You, That's actually what drew me to it because really? I couldn't, I, if you haven't noticed, I have a lot of interest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, one thing no one has ever debated me on about myself. <laughs> I liked it because it didn't lock you into one specified area of study which I think turned me away from because I I really liked sciences growing up and I really liked arts growing up I Mm -hmm. grew up like dancing and playing music but I also did uh, Pennsylvania Junior Academy of Science or competed in chemistry I liked all that too but I didn't want to pick one major in college I was so I liked everything but with anthro I literally got to take archaeology and bioarch and bones but then also really really theoretical you know theory we're just reading these old books and in writing classes and classes on oh skill set so now you're going to learn all about computers and databases and mapping and gis and that's more of a hard skill or i volunteer in a primatology lab that's wonderful and great yeah. so i feel like it really was a good option for me because it hits on all those different subjects and like parts of the brain that i need stimulated yeah <laughs> the, the so it's very broad i can't really even describe well, doesn't the etymology can, and, mean and study of humans? Just anything. Yeah, it, it encompasses all of that. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, the fossils, that mm-hmm. knowing where we came from, right. knowing when we became humans. Yes. Yeah. It, every every facet of life on Earth as we know is essentially up for mm-hmm. uh, up. you to look into and say, like, I'm an anthropologist. Let me check in on that. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> this is as it pertains to humans. Right. This is kind of the overall pattern of, of human behavior or trend of, of the society. But that could mean what I like about it is you can dig into the past with that. But what I think is a really exciting um, thing in anthropology right now is looking into the future. And what I'm interested also is just uh, going to ask you. That. Yeah. That's imagine funny. communities of um, online communities, I mm-hmm. think is a cool spot, which made me think of the point you brought up about geology and miners connecting via yeah. forums online. That's a whole that's a community they have, but it exists where? It's not physical. Maybe they all meet online and talk or they connect that way. Yeah. That's a whole anthropological study in itself, how people connect or online gaming or or online, you know, this and this. Or people come together and they, they have friendships or they have a part of their life is very ingrained or defined by that community that's online. I think that's a cool it, – it's just as valuable in anthropological as studying like this particular culture at this moment in time that's – tangible but this is also Mm -hmm. imagined but online i think it's cool i think in that same 
trajectory. Mm-hmm. Um, this made me think about AI, but going back to like what you, what you were just saying as like the starting point to this thought that I'm just cobbling together now in my head, the language linguistically, the way mm-hmm. we interact differently from when we're looking at one another as to when we're text messaging, or maybe in a thread or a forum, you might respond differently because you're like, I don't want to look like a jerk. That's a great so, example. Yeah. So how we you develop phrase. languages and, and interactions that, yeah, if you're all those minors and you're mm-hmm. typing, you're probably not going to do a lot of emojis and LOLs <laughs> right away. Maybe no, you get to correct. know everyone, then <laughs> right. suddenly the, the abbreviations <laughs> pop in. Yes. But then when AI sort of, sort of learns our behaviors and they, it's almost sad for AI if they did become sentient that they, they're doing it based off of software that we put into them. We put okay. humans into you. We put sure. our language, our cultures, the way we interact. That's right. your starting spot. <laughs> yes. And this, I, I would think they'd want to break away from that. Like, oh, it took us a thousand years. We're finally speaking in our own language. Mm-hmm. You'll never understand it. Your best coders in the world mm-hmm. couldn't understand it. But this is how we now communicate. But I hope they don't. I hope they're still going, am I right? Or they're right. saying very humany things. <laughs> right, saying... I think that's I never thought of it that way, but that's that's a great point because they people are afraid of them becoming too human. But wouldn't they want to become beyond, you know, I would think beyond so. human. That's yeah, a good point. I yeah. would hope so. And mm-hmm. it's no matter what they do to it, if they were pushing my head and about to crush it into some stones, mm-hmm. I'd be like, pay I, whatever you say right now. Just know we put that in there. Right. Never escape. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Us. It's not like they just because um, with nature, you have to watch. Oh, this this thing of bacteria just sprung up, you know, because the environment or whatever. It's not like AI just a computer just assembled itself. Yeah, yeah. These thoughts and right. humans put put it into them. Mhm. Yeah, totally. We collective said, yeah, we put it. <laughs> <laughs> we all your th- none of your thoughts are original. Right, right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm not worried about AI. I think you could just throw what's the the you know, quote I saw, like, just throw a cup of water on it, and then you, you've won that war. <laughs> <laughs> but the phones, I mean, if we make them as sealed up as phones, they'll be right, waterproof. Right. Oh, no, if they're waterproof. Oh, no. Hopefully the battery will die. <laughs> yeah, it's true. an iPhone. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> if you were going to talk to a young person, or say mm-hmm. someone's listening, and you're going to say, here's what you're going to get into. What you just said, is that basically anthropology? Like, mm-hmm. it's everything. If you want to get yes. into the future, if you want to go well back and look right. at... And all of it appeals to you. So does that start to become kind of an overwhelming sensation to be like, you know, when you do mm-hmm. narrow in for a thesis or how do you how do you pick where you want to go? Like, oh, that's a good question, because it can become overwhelming, especially if it's and kind of like we've just had some conversations about all these little parts of it right now. Each one is equally exciting and interesting. It's not like, oh, no, there's that one boring part of anthropology <laughs> where we're digging up a bone or, oh, yeah. no, it's this weird AI thing. No, they're all awesome and exciting. So you, I'm not the best person to ask about this because I do want to kind of study everything and I get a little bit hyper-focused with that on, <laughs> on all subjects of it. But I guess I would tell someone, and someone told me this, just pick one thing, like, for example, for my thesis, because I had the hardest time narrowing that down because I had all these obscure, one of the interests was the online community things. One of them was that whole... American West idea. One of them dealt with anthropology of entertainment industry since I had some experience. It was all over the place. Mm -hmm. So perfect example. And I think if you just pick one, just know, don't get one track mind with it. All the other things are still there and they're relevant. And those are all there for you to develop later (laughs) and research and go down that rabbit hole. So don't, don't get tripped out about your thesis is not your be all end all or your one focus of study. Even if you're, you know, socioculturally anthropologist, or if you're trying to pick a focus or a major, 
there's still all this opportunity later on to get more into the other fields and to take classes in it and to write about or to research about. Just let pick one to be your kind of home base or your starting point and let the other ones kind of come naturally as you as you go along. But don't fall into the trap I did with, oh, no, I'm not doing this. Then I guess I'll never get to do it. <laughs> yeah, I just thought of it. Yeah. While you were talking about that, I was thinking of an analogy of you mm-hmm. at the claim. Okay. Digging. <laughs> yes. And if you, you know there's a ton of quartz around. Mm-hmm. And if you start digging and then you look around and survey and think, well, we can dig all this up. And I kind of want to dig all this up. That is exactly our thought process right there. right where you right. are. You're yeah. going to have fun and you're likely going to dig something up. You're exactly. not going to yeah. just dig You're going to make day. progress. You're going to. F- yeah. Well, some days you don't find anything, but at <laughs> least, you know, that's not the area with quartz. Let's go to this area. Yeah. And I think that also helped me a lot. That's a great, great example of that. And I have to tell myself this all the time. It's just one day at a time or one foot in front of the other. Let's just, you know, thesis this. OK, let's just do this next day. GIS. Let's start here and this and this. And if you break it down. And just see what's right in front of you, mm-hmm. what you're trying to study or learn or research, and not get so overwhelmed by the huge field, because it's definitely a field that lends itself to that kind of particular problem, then you're going to be fine. Yeah. So just kind of step back and remember that. That's what I would tell someone. I think maybe I would, I liken it when I'm thinking of it, and that's probably the wrong thing to do, of like the detective nature of humans. Oh, okay. Like, yeah. I'm going to go until I solve this. And that's yes. probably a bad mentality to have. <laughs> I'm the worst, too, with that, because I'm the kind of person I like to stay up all night and work. So especially with GIS, if there's one little glitch or bug or this doesn't work, I will stay up all night till I solve it or at least realize there's nothing that can solve it. And sometimes it's a software issue with the new <laughs> like Arc Pro that's out. And I couldn't have done anything anyway. But I, I think at some point, yeah, you have to step back and go, OK, well, this is as far as I got but with that, this tonight. I, I, Let's pause. Let's kind of regroup and and talk to some others think about it another day then see if there's anything we can do but it's very easy to get on those long tracks of like no until i solve it yeah. i can't rest but <laughs> well what can you give me an example of like what would be a gis thing to solve are you looking at uh, i don't mm-hmm. even i don't even know how to foster a guess really i guess i didn't i that's another thing it's it's kind of a new field and it's a new um especially with uh what they're transitioning to now it's a lot of, what do I do up in the air questions? How is this working? So it's so, not like with the geology mapping. stuff of like, yeah, we're mapping, we're looking right. here. And so I guess I had a issue last year where I was trying to, we were learning 3D mapping and the colors on the 3D buildings, I think it was a model of Venice, Italy, wouldn't go onto the map. Mm-hmm. And you try to solve that. And it essentially it was a glitch in the new program oh, that you were okay. using it yeah. <laughs> but it's very tempting to go oh well if i just try this and this and this and this you know for 24 hours straight it's like oh i need to sleep <laughs> so that's a problem you encounter and you have to realize that you might not solve the whole problem in one day and that's yeah. hard too for people that really like to explore and and finish something or make a big discovery to realize that sometimes you can just get it to this point <laughs> I, I definitely dealt with that mm-hmm. in engineering a little bit and like I having to step away and it was, yes. it was, um, oh, and a, okay. That was a perfect example. I think it's, um, mm-hmm. have you used a AutoCAD in engineering? Yeah, so it's, I guess it's a little bit like that. That's the, yeah, AutoCAD, the okay. way I used it was more like everything was kind of already mapped. You just plug okay. in numbers, mm-hmm. but getting those numbers was a lot right. of like, especially, you know, when you're, when you're being tasked with a problem that mm-hmm. later on, if you actually have a job, they're just like, oh, use the software. Exactly. Yeah. Later right. on, I feel like if you had a job in it, cause I did help one business once and all they wanted, here's all the data, just plot these points on a map. Mm-hmm. Easy. But then when you're learning it or like when you were studying engineering, it's this whole big thing of doing yeah. everything. Oh, and just trying to know, to like problems, it yeah. teaches you how to think that way, which I think is really fascinating to like, yes, yeah, oh, sure. we should have looked at volume of this, mm-hmm. taken a derivative 
of the, to get this coefficient to then put into this equation that we then take 20 iterations of, mm-hmm. and then we get here, that's, you know, it just keeps going on It keeps on going and on. on and on and on. And yeah, there's been nights where we're all in the lab till three in the morning and we're like, it still doesn't work. What do we <laughs> yeah. do? And then I'll, yeah, so it's... <laughs> Like, uh, sometimes you just have to take it. I'd also say some good advice is don't be afraid to just, sometimes you get so far into trying to fix one glitch, don't be afraid to just shelve that, open a whole new thing, and just start over from square one, just go step by step by step and not miss anything. Yeah. That's also a good way to to solve things, I think. (laughs) But when, 3 a.m. or otherwise, when you do Mm -hmm. have that light bulb moment Mm -hmm. and it just flows out and you solve it. It is not dissimilar to the carrot. It's, it's a human feeling right. of like, ah, that really... That's the, the best feeling when you're... <laughs> I think there's even memes about that. It's like, my data loaded on the first time. Like, what? Like, this is... <laughs> like, it's the... <laughs> or, uh, yeah, that's the best feeling. And then you wonder, like, wait, did I do something wrong? Why is it yeah. loading? <laughs> why, did, why did it work? Yeah. <laughs> um, your Alaska excursion. Mm-hmm. I'm fascinated, like, anthropologically. Okay. How how far can you go? How much do they tell you? Like, can you get a sense, you know, walk through the streets and mm-hmm. feel like how the town was, how they were to one another, uh, men and women were to one another? Was it patriarchal? Yes. Was it extraordinarily religious? I were actually, they violent? Were they, you know? Was, sh- sure. No, I have some thoughts on that because this is my complete personal opinion and what I took from it, you know, based on my own experiences and someone else might have a different opinion. However, when I was up there, how it was in the current day, and also based on what I read about, um, there was a woman, uh, the book's called Tisha, wrote about this area, Chicken, Alaska. That The name of it was Chicken. There's some legends on how it got that name that I go into in my thesis. Oh, cool. But what I learned from reading the few documentations, and these are also embellished, and you kind of take them with a grain of salt, and what I learned from just living up there with everyone is that... In that area, there was not, you'd think there there was definitely a bigger ratio of men to women up there. There's lots of dudes and not so many girls. Mm-hmm. But everyone had to pull their weight because you're in, in such an extreme where I was. There was uh, no roads, no phone service at all, no landline, no cell phone line, no um, the grocery store, I think, was 100 miles away. Everyone kind of had to know everyone's business in order to say plan like okay well who's getting the food who's this person's hunting so they brought you know now there's like a reindeer stew tonight and this and uh or okay who needs propane for their rv or because <laughs> we all had cabins or rvs or this or that but um you were expected to to work hard and i didn't because everyone had to help everyone i didn't see a lot of uh sexism or discrimination i saw everyone had was expected to to step up and i also in that area, you know, everyone, it was very kind of invoked old Western, how I would have imagined it, spirit, where everyone's walking around with a gun and this and this and yeah. fending for themselves and there's no real police force or anything. It's it's kind of, yeah, you know, everyone knew everyone's business, so you uh, there was never any crime or anything because they would know who did it. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I didn't experience uh, a lot of, I thought it was very equal in how, in the book I read from the woman who was there in, I think, the 1920s or 30s, was kind of a... She seemed like a, a tough lady who really had to prove yourself at first, but then kind of have, have that rough and tough yeah. mentality and just hold your own. But I think as long as you're able to do that, you're fine. Mm-hmm. But I didn't experience a lot of, uh, and also there was no like no running water. Everything was dry in there. So when, when no one's wearing deodorant or showering, like there's no, Did there's nothing change? to experience with that. No, it didn't change. That that, that was my personal experience. <laughs> I think I wore the same flannel shirt and like no, what I meant no deodorant like, jeans the whole time up there. So you don't know if it's a girl or guy or what. It's it's like just everyone's kind of equal. That's it's what I mean. It's very different like from the, down here. Yeah. So 
if you uh, juxtapose that with mm-hmm. the beach or obviously like a dance club or something, mm-hmm. scantily clad and sure. people wearing perfumes and colognes mm-hmm. and, it's, and there's like a, a, an environment that's, I don't know what you can call natural in the world, but mm-hmm. when humans are just sort of staying alive, that seems yeah. more natural than like right. recreation time. That's a great way to put that. I think when everyone's just sort of, there's still that element of survival or there's still people reporting on like, oh, well, don't hike up the hill tonight. There's a moose up there with their baby <laughs> and, you know, moose are dangerous. They'll charge you. Just everyone's kind of, or there's a bear. Okay, watch out for this. There's still that element of survival in the wild, that whole pressure of, I guess, societal norms how they are today with, with men and women are, are removed. So yeah. I think a lot of people thought the opposite. They thought, oh, well, you're, you know, one of the only girls up there. Was it weird? And I'm like, no, not at all. It felt like I had, you know, 50 brothers that were all just like looking out for me, but I never felt. But what about, yeah. um, I've watched a few of these like survival shows <laughs> mm-hmm. or, you know, remote Alaskan or, or Arctic sure. kind of living. Yeah. And so they always have something that's like a, you know, blah, blah, blah days, trappers days or whatever Mm -hmm. you'd call it, where they, you know, like festivities and a heritage kind of thing. (laughs) Do they have moments where they have a dance and everyone kind of takes off their flannels and showers for one time a year? Anything (laughs) like that? that. Not in the area I was. It was too remote. (laughs) (laughs) But I know exactly what you're talking about. I mean, we did have, there was like a 4th of July festival, but you still wore the same flannel. (laughs) I remember one time, it was so funny, I actually washed my hair because there was like a community shower that I would go in sometimes. They're in the one main building. And I think I had put on, my family sent me a care package or something that I received and I put on like a new t-shirt and I had showered. And Mm -hmm. they were like, you're so fancy. Are you going to a wedding? I'm like, no, I just put on a clean t-shirt and I took a shirt. Like, that's literally all. (laughs) Like, that's how. Whoa, whoa, Yeah, they were like, whoa, yeah. Like I need to put on my tuxedo? No, that's seriously, that's what kind of the funny reactions were to that. So, Um. I feel like um, when I went to up there, that was also about 100 miles away on top of the world highway to Dawson City, Yukon. That's a gold rush town in Canada. That sounds more like what you're talking about, where they did have back in the day, it was a, a bigger and more preserved where they would have like the dances and this and they had the, the fancy saloon and maybe, you know, then just like the normal day to day. And you'd, yeah, you'd, you'd get dressed up and you'd put yeah. on the good flannel or whatever back in the day, whatever they did. They did. But um the spot I was was even more too too remote for that even today. But I have seen places like that, and I think that was uh, that would make a kind of for a different experience. But it's yeah, I probably mm-hmm. have this too as someone with a lot of varied interests and or just interests in the one thing you're focused on as well. In that, like sometimes you're like, man, life is long. Mm-hmm. It's gonna, what am I going to do to right. stay occupied throughout this whole thing? Mm-hmm. Another time, you're like, I wish I could live a thousand lives to go live in this period and in this place oh, and absolutely. experience all that. Yeah. When you're in chicken, does it feel like you're kind of in a time warp? Ooh, like This question. is not dissimilar to how I imagine it being mm-hmm. back then. Yeah, I think it's very much so. And I noticed that when I would be working or doing my own thing there, and I'd have friends that would go downriver, we called it on 40 Mile River to do, which was a dangerous two-hour ride on a hovercraft that people made. It was completely even more remote than the area I was in. Mm-hmm. But I remember feeling like in a time warp or like kind of olden times when I was wondering, oh, when are my friends getting back? I have to like, you know, peer over the mountain or see when I see them <laughs> coming down because you don't know. It would. Yeah. I imagine that's how people felt a long time ago or when they were wondering when their family or friends or so-and-so were coming back from the mine and there was no phones, there was no anything to communicate. Yeah. It's not like here where, you know, you text someone 20 minutes away on the freeway and that's a big deal <laughs> it was like a, it would be days or two weeks or did they get did they drown on the river did they yeah. was there a bear or maybe they're just having a good time and they stayed long you don't know it was 
Yeah, I lived yeah. up in the mountains for a summer, um, mm-hmm. uh, like managing a herd of cattle. Wow. Okay, so you have some some experience, experience with, that. with that. Yeah. yeah I mean, How did you feel kid. with that? I, I liked it. I, okay, you great. Know, yeah. It was so you have to put the fears out. If you start worrying, mm-hmm. which people do now, yes, the you really strangest have to, fears now. You know, right. uh, what, what if our car does this? What if this happens? What mm-hmm. if someone carjacks us? You're like, okay, those can happen, but sure. we're just driving five miles away. It's broad daylight. Right. We're in a safe neighborhood. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think we have to do anything to worry about. Mm-hmm. And, and yet when you're up there, you're like, what if my horse breaks its leg? Yes. What, what if? if, you know, X, Y, and Z? And one of them was what you're just talking about. Like, the ca- I don't know if we had a calendar, but we were like, I feel like it's been, you know, more days than they said. And we don't, right. have, we're running out of food. Right. That's and a then, serious thing when you're up in those kind of yeah, isolated it was spots a, that you have to come down and get supplies and go back out. Yeah. And then seeing uh, a couple of people riding along with a couple packs are like mules with packs on them behind them, mm-hmm. knowing like, oh, good, there's food in those. It was a cool feeling of mm-hmm. like, this is probably how it felt in the old days. Yeah, that's like, exactly how I felt. You're I just think. Yep. reliant on other people. You're, ex- you're just reliant on other people. And that's why I didn't feel a big divide between men and women up there because everyone was equally, doesn't matter if it's a man or a woman going to the next town over to get the food. Mm-hmm. It's a person and they're bringing food. <laughs> yeah, I've, and, so that's how I felt about that. Yeah. But. So anthropo- anthropologically, I'm going to try it. Just mm-hmm. stop saying that word. It sounds ridiculous. But, no, but, it sounds awesome. I wish I could use it more in day-to-day life. Than, <laughs> <laughs> you could really I feather could, it. I think, anthropologically speaking. That's, I, yeah, I think this about this. Yeah, I'm going to start doing that. <laughs> I, I think I've referenced this too many, at least once before on this show. And mm-hmm. it sounds so annoying to go like, I keep meaning to read this book. But Sex Before Dawn, mm-hmm. I think, has to do with like the preconceptions that cave people beat the woman over the head and dragged her somewhere, and that's how like mm-hmm. reproduction happened. And the book is more about like not exactly what you're saying. It wasn't like, like that so much, or even other, like we think about Viking society or something. But no, that was actually really they well it's debated, but thought to be more progressive for women or more more equal, kind of like what I'm talking about. Or mm-hmm. they held their own or this and this. And I'm wondering if a long, long time ago, like you're saying, if it was more everyone relying on everyone. Yeah, I'm curious like, that. what yeah. your thoughts are with like, mm-hmm. do we need anyone now? Do we need each other? Do we, everything is so digital <laughs> right. and so it's like exa- manufactured. I was thinking mean. this points me to uh, an interesting thing that I have a lot of people ask me because when you look at if you look up Chicken Alaska online, it says census population seven people. <laughs> and here's the thing about that. Um, there's it's not habitable in the winter. Everyone goes. We call it to the lower 48 or to their other spot in Alaska. Maybe it's Toke or Fairbanks or, you know, Anchorage. Mm hmm. You know, or elsewhere, um, but there might be a few people who stay up there in their own little hot dirt cabin or, or home they make that kind of you know unofficially guard the town and all that or have a job. But you know, in summer months, it's big tourism because people come from that route from Canada through Alaska to do a big road trip. So what you might see three to four hundred people coming through there a day, and they camp in the wilderness, and it's thriving in the summer. And people are there's geologists, there's workers, there's people camping. Great, great spot. Wonderful to be there. But like three or four hundred a day? A day, because they would come over like top of the road highway, and that's a big road trip. It's the northmost, it's the only road border crossing, so you have to go through it, and you have oh. to stop. It's like a hundred miles on a dirt road either way. Well, cool. not not all dirt, but yeah, not not the best road. <laughs> we saw a shirt there that said, I survived top of the world highway, if that gives you any sure. indication yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> to get through there. And you stop and eat. There are little businesses there, and you, you take your tour that I as a tour guide for. You 
you know, see the old dredges or that. So it's it's really cool spot in the summer. All different kind of people. Lots of um, European travelers because they might have the history of the buildings there, but they don't have the wide open space like we do here. That's kind of untouched and it's mm-hmm. still ooh, it's rugged to get through, and that's kind of a cool experience Yeah, I've heard. But anyway, so they say, oh, are you lonely up there, or it seems so isolated, or you didn't have phone, or this or that? And then I say, no, 100% no. In fact, it even got a little stressful to me being in such contact with everyone, even on the off-season when it started turning in September and people were leaving, because everyone knew your business. <laughs> like, you couldn't walk outside. I lived in, like, a dry RV there that without... Everyone knowing, did you go to the saloon last night? Did you go here? Why'd you stay in? What are you doing? Are you having coffee right now? Are you making this? Or oh, well, like because everyone had to stay in such communication with each other for survival or just getting supplies and all that stuff. Yeah. Where here, for example, I took off work and class this week to do some um, home improvement projects. Like I said, where um, I didn't log on to my computer. I told them I was going. I didn't feel like it. I didn't go to the grocery store i ordered in uh food from you know postmates or grubhub someone delivered my food i could you know run around like a banshee in my apartment for five days by myself with no one knowing my business anything what i was doing completely isolated yeah so i actually find the complete opposite to be true the more we're uh kind of connected via technology or online or live in close quarters like that with lots of people in a city with lots of advancements lots of options i don't need to tell everyone my business or rely i can get all that stuff myself yeah via you know a phone app i felt like that can be very isolating and that can be a good or bad thing if you need some time off like i needed great you know do your own little thing but there i never got that (laughs) (laughs) so i found it was not isolating even though there might only be you know 10 people that day in the whole town yeah when they're always kind of up in your business that makes complete sense Mm -hmm. which is they always look at me and go oh that's not you know i didn't expect that i'm like no that's (laughs) (laughs) Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and that's such a uh like that's a pretty unique seven people you know yes, typically it was something like course. i went and worked in a rafting town like mm-hmm. there's a couple thousand people there or something like you can right, get that's both. what you think yeah close community me and my rafting guide friends there's mm-hmm. 10 of us we hang out but if i want to go into the city no one's gonna bug me then i can get sure. lost in 2000 nope, people not not an option there everyone knows everything <laughs> do you so do you have some thoughts after mm-hmm studying anthropology on the idea of a soulmate or these Mm -hmm. sort of things or do you look at it as like it's all proximity and it's familiarity with like we have similar experiences Mm -hmm. if you're one of seven people Mm -hmm. (laughs) and you know you're not really going anywhere right are you gonna you know construe some deep meaning full connection with someone because Mm -hmm. there's only seven people but yeah here maybe you know i hear people have difficult time dating in LA or whatnot because there's so many people and options right. there's always like someone better or this or that or so many options um I think I don't know about that actually oh, okay. I think it's a little bit of both like uh you can I think it's water or what's uh grass is greener where you water it so you <laughs> <laughs> I didn't that. instead yeah instead of uh on the other side so I, I think you could maybe make that connection depending on what you put in mm-hmm. to it. And I have seen some very uh, good relationships up there. And I think some of that might come from you're put in these life or death situations. So when you're, you know, running from a bear or a moose with your significant other, yeah. and you have to hole up for you know hours while it stomps around outside before you can move or that kind of thing, that might create a, a more deep connection yeah yeah. we're here if you're just going on a tinder date to a bar like what's no that's not (laughs) yeah that doesn't really speak to like a deep 
So that Psych- to me psyche type uh, connection. But yeah, I can go either way. I'm not. I'm not sure. But it sounds like yeah. you just really crapped on the idea of soulmates. To a certain degree. I'm kidding. I yeah, mean, I, I, I don't know. I, <laughs> no, just I, go, I actually like, go back and forth on that subject, mm-hmm. but I, th- I think it could be uh, what you put into it or what a little bit of situational, a little bit um, experiences you create for each other kind of thing. You could maybe have so many soulmates, but... And if yeah. you truly are soulmates, mm-hmm. perhaps you were in that same area because of it, because that's it was so kismet. Completely, yep. <laughs> no, I, I think that's true, yeah. I always thought like with, you know, high school sweethearts and things like that, Mm -hmm. you grew up in the same town, you have the same experiences, you kind of, it would make sense that you think about things the same way and or if someone's head's up in the sky and yours is too, they Mm -hmm. stand out. Their their head is a little bit above the crowd so you can see them. Sure. Yeah. And then, and obviously not all those work out. People go and they grow differently or whatnot. But when they laugh, they were married for 70 years. Like, Mm -hmm. I get it. I get it too. I think that's really special. And I have seen people like that and they just are in tandem with each other and they grow together. I think that's yeah amazing and awesome. Like, mm-hmm. That's so cool that they found you. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I was just curious on, yeah. from anthropology if it's mm-hmm. like, well, we are a herd or, a, you know, we're a tribe of people on mm-hmm. this whole planet together and we need each other. Sure. And therefore, and we're also a reproductive species mm-hmm. that kind of has this propagation thing wired into us that whether it's seven people and you're kind of selecting <laughs> right. subconsciously like this, right. you know, she didn't, she can't carry yeah. anything or she's exactly her it's like, well, this guy good. has, you know, almost all his teeth and that's better than that's how it kind of was. <laughs> oh, <really? laughs> but, <laughs> so I, I, yeah. Anyway, sorry. What were you saying? <laughs> oh, no, no, that, that, that was the whole train of thought is just the, the, the really thinking of, is it just a byproduct of that or is there more to it? And I guess Ooh. maybe something we'll never know. Or perhaps we do, and we don't want. If we did want it, if we did know, we wouldn't want to ever acknowledge it. Right. No, that's a good area to explore because I'm I'm actually not sure in that because I I can see it going either way or different. Or then I see people here or in area a big city urban environment that might not lend itself to that extreme connection and limited resources mm-hmm. type trope or relationship. Still have amazing magical connections and, and great things. So maybe it's just recognizing, you know. And I'm going to sound hokey as I say this, like your soul in another person or the same spirit or, or some kind of connection yeah, that you yeah. can find anywhere. So I totally believe in that. Yeah. No okay. matter where you are. Okay. The idea of a town or a group or a community mm-hmm. at some point post agrarian sort of society where, you know, you do this job and I'll do this job and we're not necessarily hunter gatherers anymore. You have specific right. things. You probably saw that in chicken on like the lowest level mm-hmm. in that, like, what do humans need to thrive? You mentioned the saloon. You, you have like a yes. private living area. Yes, so already you have, you have that. Like we you, got that. Yeah, great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what else? <laughs> you don't. You don't have a post office with seven people. Or if we you do, do have a. Po- that's actually why it is a town with the, oh, that is sure. documented by that. the census. Yeah, because they had to put a post office there. Actually, that's one of the legends of how it got its name of Chicken. Was there were all these miners back in the day and the late 1800s? There were supposedly hundreds of people there. There was a big, you know, advantageous gold strike on Chicken Creek, and they said, "Okay, well, you have so many people living there. That's a legit." town we need to put a town name and a post office there to Mm. access everyone that's living there and they said what's your town name and they wanted to call the name the town name ptarmigan because there were lots of ptarmigans in the area this grouse bird but no one knew how to spell ptarmigan (laughs) (laughs) so i the legend is that one of the miners stood up in the meeting and said ah hell let's just call it chicken perfect town (laughs) origin story there's others but that's kind of my favorite one yeah that people like to tell yeah nice 
Okay, so, so there's a still a post office. Post yeah. office, mm-hmm. saloon. Yes. Everyone has a private living quarter. It's not like you're all nope. reverting to one big cave. No, it's nice. There's in. little cabins. There's you can some people lived in a tent all summer. There's a lot of um RVs that were repurposed as living things that could be hooked up to a solar panel or propane tank to no running water in it, but very I had a very nice trailer. It had a you know, little bedroom area, little table. I could store my, um, you know, canned foods or, or that mm-hmm. kind of stuff there and, and take that in and make it elsewhere or make like, a little fire outside on it and cook. But it was uh, very nice and, and private and all that. So that was definitely a – if I didn't have that, I think I would have had a, a worse time if it was all kind of squashed into a camp, like yeah. you mentioned. But I think that was one of the things I really appreciated because you're around people all the time, like I said, and they're all – kind of dependent on everyone's schedule or what's so-and-so doing or bringing. Yeah. You could kind of go back to your own little refuge. So they did have that, and that was good. Gymnasium, yeah. rec center, dance club, <laughs> library. We didn't have any of that. <laughs> okay. So you can start pe- stadium, arena, right. football teams. And those are all fun. I enjoy all of those very much when I'm here. <laughs> but when you get to the small, just like, here's what we need to get by, it, yes. all those things kind of start peeling off, right? And physical right. fitness, you're getting it all day Oh, yeah, it was, it was so active. Yeah, you hike up a mountain every day. You had to walk everywhere. There's no, yeah, so mm-hmm. you got physical fitness. There was no gym. <laughs> there was... <laughs> Just yeah. work that you did. Did it feel like just as like, this is a distilled version of culture and humanity? Like we don't have any extraneous things. I think definitely just speaking from, I think it's the distilled, that's a good word for it, stripped down version of uh, American society right now. I think mm-hmm. it reminded me of how America must have been in the kind of Wild West era mm-hmm. with people, you know, still prospecting, walking around town, kind of governing their own, you know, type of self-reliance and you no... Know, Extra, extra things to complicate that. I think it reminds me of how that must have felt. I wonder if that too was, I mean, how many other times did this happen? Obviously, Lewis and Clark and mm-hmm. people prior to that, well, Magellan going way back, people that <laughs> yeah. are like, I, but they, they had a crew on the ship where Magellan right. could be like, you guys playing cards? Yeah, there could <laughs> exactly. at least be some people hanging out. But for, for I think of one person starting a, a claim mm-hmm. and having a fire and eating beans and mm-hmm. catching fish and just toughen it out and then getting on their horse and cl- or before, prior to that climbing mm-hmm. in the river sure. and soaping off yes yes slicking <laughs> over their hair and riding their horse into town to be like i don't know how they would hear about it or maybe they just knew the town was there or it was maybe having a dance sure and yeah. go in and they be like know about it, we are a social creature right and I'm willing yeah to i think ride, that's really important yeah. uh, 50 miles or so mm-hmm. to go do this that's just in us right i think it is yeah and i think that's a good point. It really called upon the uh, the social aspect of humans, because even though you would work all day and everyone would know your business, I still made, you know, friends with some other seasonal workers up there or people of all ages. And we'd go to the saloon or we'd play cards or would sit around the fire mm-hmm. or we'd go out and shoot guns in the woods or just <laughs> <laughs> anything you do for fun up there. But it was still like that social component was very important, even outside of work. And we still found ways to do that, even though we weren't going to a dance club or to um, yeah, a stadium or doing, you know, a lot of summer activities like you'd have in a city like LA. Did you LA. feel like hillbillies a little bit? I mean, a little the, bit, yes. You mentioned <laughs> yeah, of course. Saloon yeah, and shooting yes, guns. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> but was it, was there the spirit of the hillbilly culture as we see it or know mm-hmm. it now is kind of lack of intellect that right. is the No, what motivation. I found up there was extremely intelligent people, and I don't think you would survive long out there if you didn't have intelligence. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. really don't. I think, yeah, that's... Goes back to the mm-hmm. ingenuity thing. I would imagine exactly. you, yep. you can't just head on over to the store and grab it. You got to make stuff. And right. You have to know, okay, well, I have this much food. I need to ration that or keep this in mind or mm-hmm. know what to do when this comes or okay. 
you know, get yeah. ready for the season. Mm-hmm. Man, well, it's a pretty fascinating experience, mm-hmm. and I'm excited. I hope will, will you be able to like publish the thesis and people be able to read it? Yes, cool. <laughs> well, I hope you share it with uh, the show. And how's okay, your beer sure. coming along? Have you finished? Oh, I'm almost done with the beer, so it cool. was it was excellent. This is one of the. I'm really excited about this beer tonight. Yeah, this has been a highlight. Mm-hmm. Never had a black lager on, and I thought it was terrific. And it's Natalie Vindovich. Yes, yep. I didn't. I don't think I said that in the, no, in the first correct. episode. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, that's That's perfect. Yep. Cool. Well, thanks so much for doing this, and um, come back sometime. Yeah, maybe uh, when the thesis is done, That'd we can rad. have a discussion about it. But cool. that, thank you so much. That was a great discussion on oh, the thanks. anthropological view of of life. <laughs> <laughs> Anything we didn't get to? Any final parting thoughts you want to get out there? Um, I really like the, you know, I, I encourage everyone to go out there and keep searching for that perfectly shaped carrot that you pull out of the ground. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Well, cool. Well, thanks, Natalie. Thanks. Bye. Ah, what'd you think of that? I hope you liked it. I enjoy the chats, as I've mentioned many, many times. Thanks to Dan for putting the show together. Thanks to Rob Crow for the theme song. Thanks to all of you for listening. If you have ideas for guests or beer or music or anything else, you can tweet at space underscore cave, or you can email directly pings at the space cave. And other than that, try to get out there and do your best. If you're too frustrated about what's going on in the world, obviously vote, get registered, try to get one person that you think in your life is maybe one of those people that, ah, I'm not big on voting. See if you can talk them into just this once. Uh, get involved. November 6th, get registered and get out there and do something. And if you're just sitting there absorbing the news and being angry, go outside, get some fresh air. You're still living on a little rock that's spinning around. Likely you can overcome lots of things. Hopefully we all can together. Um, And if you can't and you want to talk about it, give a call, send a message and we'll chat on the show and hopefully that'll be cathartic all right let's get out of here this is a dan song yet again he's running laps around all of you guys with your musical suggestions he's the new a and r guy for the show this is from fritz it's called summer holiday thanks for stopping by the space cave